Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 65 of Jen and Millie, where a Gen Xer and a millennial share the strength-based perspective through which they view the world. We are your hosts, Allison and Tess. Do you see how clearly and easily I read that? Because I had my readers on the whole time. Oh, I thought it was because I um, put it up to 190% um, oh. level. <laughs> and I usually keep things at 90% <laughs> level. <laughs> Oh, wow. I was so excited about how my eyes were working so well. And you... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, that's okay. That's uh, all right. That's why you know people what? call me Debbie Downer. <laughs> Just trick me next time into okay. believing. Way I to go, Al. You did such a good job. <laughs> I need some successful moments in yeah. my days. Yeah, we all do. I don't think my eyesight improving is going to actually be a possibility. <laughs> However, when I went to the eye doctor... Right before all of this started happening, um, Dr. Goldstein told me that my eyes are getting better when it comes to my nearsightedness. Okay. But, or farsighted. No, I'm nearsighted. I'm nearsighted. Yes. Yes. But my need for readers has become more apparent. And he said, mm-hmm. when you're ready, you know, we could talk about some glasses. And I said, I'm not ready. He said, okay. Yeah. And he just left it alone. Aww. I said, very distinctly. I'm not ready. Kind eye doctor. You can buy some cheapy, you know, readers yeah. and they work just fine. It's just when you don't have them and it's <laughs> Yep. Probably. Oh my gosh. Hmm. That's why you have to make the font 190%. Yeah. So good morning, Tess. <laughs> good morning. I do uh, look forward to this time always. Mm-hmm. Um, same. I am very, very grateful and want to give a couple shout outs as we were talking about earlier in our, mm-hmm. let's call it our green room. Hey, pre-show, pre-show convo. <laughs> pre-show convo in the green room where we're having coffee and discussing what we we're going to chat about. <laughs> I mentioned that I feel very seen. Yeah. And by that, I mean, I cannot believe how well people know us. Yeah, yeah, it's a also, bit scary. <laughs> I am amazed at how much people care about us. And so I just want to say thank you and big shout outs. Mm. I don't typically go get my mail very often, but I have an Ipsy bag on the way. And so <laughs> <laughs> I went to my mailbox and saw a package and thought, oh, my Ipsy bag is here. And honestly, anything in the mail right now brings me tremendous yeah. joy if it's not mm-hmm. a bill or um, a flyer. So I, I saw a package and assumed it was my Ipsy, and even that brings my heart, you know, mm-hmm. up a little bit. But when I saw that it was from Rapid City, mm-hmm. like, that's not Ipsy. <laughs> and I opened it up, and it was the best surprise I've received in a long mm-hmm. time. So a big shout-out to JC for getting yeah. me an awesome oh. rock tea. And I won't give away what band it is, but I don't know how per- it is so perfect. Yeah. There's actually about five different stories for me personally about that band and their music. Mm. So it was a perfect uh, shirt oh and gosh. the note that accompanied um, that you wanted to be sure that I made it a month and didn't I, run out. So. No, I love it. When you texted me that it was so great. Oh my goodness. I, I couldn't I believe sent it, it to um, the girls last night and I sent it to Lauren and I said, this is so perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, one of Lauren's favorite, um, CDs to listen to back in the day when I was driving her to school was um, mm-hmm. their greatest hits album. So um, that'll be a fun surprise when people get to see that. Yeah, I've been putting a picture a day on Instagram and Facebook um, representing my rock and roll uh, or my rock t-shirt uniform. And mm-hmm. it's been really fun. It's so great. Oh, man. And I, I want to give a shout out and uh, echo that. Just a huge thank you, I think, to everyone listening, um, that everyone that replies and engages in our conversation. We talk all the time about how we love these conversations, so we keep doing them no matter what. But the fact that people are listening and responding, it feels like um, in, a, in an age of disconnection and social isolation, I feel very connected um, and very seen, too. Um, so I'll give a shout out to um, Tony Jensen and Freeman, who is an incredible strengths advocate. He emailed Allie and I this morning um, with some Zoom virtual backgrounds of the office. Um, and I so appreciated them. Actually, I replied back right away because the two we sent, one was of the conference room at Dunder Mifflin and one was of um, the setup of my 
Michael Scott's desk and office, and neither of which I had saved. I have been using an office virtual background, but it was the talking head um, conference room with Stanley in the background has been mine, and it's been a social experiment to see who notices it. And I was really surprised, honestly, Allie, a little bit disappointed that you were the fifth staff member to reach out to me it and notice me it. While. It took you a while. It took me a while. Um, <laughs> you can spot this strength in action, but when we have um, Zoom calls or we have team meetings and yep. it's all of us, yep. I can't, I'm watching everyone. Everyone. So, You're like, where are people at? Yeah. <laughs> I and get that. So it took me longer than it should have. Yeah. And as soon as I saw it, I thought, <laughs> <laughs> that's really creative Tess. and then right away I got on chat oh to tell you it was that so I, great so I'll give a shout out the very first person was Anna so I'll give a shout out to Anna and like immediately and then I was really surprised there was quite a bit of a gap um and but then Hannah noticed Trisha noticed Beth noticed and Jay noticed and then you noticed <laughs> <laughs> I was really surprised that you were later on, but I totally understand your woo was so fascinated by where everyone was at. But what I love about it is it is subtle and it helps me vet who is a real office fan. And that's important to me. <laughs> like, who's actually going to notice that that's Stanley Hudson and can name that behind me? And, you know, so it's it's just been a little bit of a litmus test for my coworkers recently. <laughs> and the funny thing is, is when you're, you're, coming with to those meetings with something in mind as a social experiment your body language is different I should have known right away because your body language is very Mm -hmm. you kind of lean back like anybody notice what's going on I just give away I have such a tell I can never play poker I'm just so excited to see how people react well, and I think, you know, it's kind of funny how the Zoom backgrounds have been mm-hmm. interesting and hilarious and personalized. Yeah. Um, I think I mentioned to you that last week we had, um, I put together a uh, virtual happy hour for our Golden Girls group, which is uh, my friends from back home in Exeter, community of 600 people. I decided to have a guest star, um, brought the guest star on. Um, he brought two additional guest stars, which I was not anticipating. And I was thinking about how much I love the joy of surprise. And I had mentioned this last time, but I've also been thinking about how I can do that more right now. So Mm -hmm. um, I just read on social media today, one of my friends has a, um, there's a donut fairy in the neighborhood and the donut fairy leaves donuts for the the kids. Yeah. I love that. I love I love donuts and I love donut fairies. So why do not be one? I mean, I can recreate myself at any time now. Oh my gosh. And we've talked about this before on Jen and Millie, but sometimes instead of getting caught up in the, what do I wish was happening for me? Mm-hmm. How can I create that experience yeah. for someone else? Mm-hmm. And so, um, being a donut fairy is part of my plan. Um, I love for the that. next it just like, I, I think one of the things I, I was reflecting on last night, actually, because um, uh, um, one of my friends at church, her son, I think he's turning four. So they're going to do one of the drive-by parades, um, you know, and I was thinking, gosh, I mean, yes, they don't get to have their normal birthday party, which at first was, you know, kind of probably a letdown for a lot of people. And a lot of people whose birthdays are during this time have talked about how hard it is and I'm sure Lauren and Sean are in a similar place but but I thought how what an opportunity to create significant memories in the life especially of a young person how many young people whose birthdays are going to be celebrated kind of in this way or even like the teacher parades that are happening are going to remember such a unique event that happened like this not just for the sake of you know the virus but you know it differentiates all the other birthdays that are a themed uh, cake everybody gathering in a backyard um, doing the same presents and the same activities and you know which seems to happen every year but to have like a, a parade of people driving by like what a neat kind of for me it was a moment of joy in kind of a, a a hard situation like hard situations being turned for good uh that it just kind of made me reflect on all of the the neat and unique ways people are celebrating and finding moments of joy and um just 
creating memories that out of a tough situation, right? That people are going to be able to remember forever. So when um, my kids were growing up in Hebron, it was the tradition for if you made it to state in whatever sport or, you know, even in, um, in music and arts and um, theater, if you made it to state, you got to ride on the fire truck down Main Street the night that you returned home. Mm-hmm. So state wrestlers would be on the fire truck and it'd be like this parade downtown Hebron and, you know, with the lights and the sirens and everything. And I noticed recently that there have been a couple here in Papillion um, that in La Vista um, where there, people are requesting uh, a fire truck drive by for kiddos' yeah. birthdays and that kind of thing. And I was thinking about that too, Tess, that, you know, something that maybe other generations or other communities have done for a while as a tradition is now being more open to all Mm -hmm. and thinking about just the sense of community and the way that people come together. Um, I was lucky to grow up that way Yeah, where, you know, I mean, I'm, when I'm noticing the teachers and the, um, and the school staff and community members trying to put things together as community, we've always kind of done that. Mm -hmm. And so, um, the camaraderie, is interesting for me to witness during this time. And I hope it's something that we remember. We've kind of talked a little bit about, you know, what do we want to keep from this time? What's something that we love from this time? And one of the things that has really stood out to me that you and I have talked about this every once in a while in Jenna Millie, but it's the beauty of and. Mm. So there is difficulty in this time and there is learning and there is growth. There is challenge in this time and there is joy. And so we, we use the word and quite frequently um, in our professional lives. Um, you know, one of the things yeah. that we do with renewals is joy and challenge mm-hmm. um, when we talk through that. And we, we really focus on, honestly, the paradox. So sometimes when I ask a mentor, you know, share about your joy and your challenge, the words may even be the same. Yeah. So a joy may be time and a challenge may be time. And I think the beauty of and moments of both are really coming to the surface right now. And I had mentioned to you that I follow a really fantastic blog. Um, it's a life in progress is the name of the, um, the blog. Her name is um, Krista O'Reilly. And she sends weekly, um, they show up in my inbox, which I love. She talks about resilience and she talks about um, struggle. But a couple of the things that stood out to me, and I'll put this on our um, worth mentioning board. She talks about how joy and pain can truly coexist. Mm -hmm. And Krista, as a writer, has been through a lot, including um, the loss of her son um, within the last year. Um, She is a really beautiful writer. Um, and I think you'll love this when you see it because there is a lot about how, um, flexibility, core strength, hope, those kinds of habits Mm -hmm. will help us to show up and our showing up may not look glorious. It, it may look both beautiful and, uh, dark Mm -hmm. and the quotes that she included in this article was from Viktor Frankl, and I wanted to read it here, and I know that it will resonate um, for you as well. Mm-hmm. But it's, when we are no longer able to change a situation, we are challenged to change ourselves. Mm-hmm. And that's a Viktor Frankl quote. And you and I have talked about man's search for meaning, mm-hmm. um, yeah. the, the power of finding joy in some of the most difficult times. Yeah, and then sure. I also thought that so today I'd love for us to talk about paradoxes and, mm-hmm. and then also it has reminded me so much about beginner's mind and beginner's mind is something from the um, Buddhist um, principles and from um, Zen habits and, and yoga. It's that every day um, in every situation, we are at our best when we come with a beginner's mind, meaning that we don't know better than anyone else, but we're show up, showing up as a um, willing to grow. In every situation, regardless of our season stage, regardless of our experience, regardless of what we perceive as expertise, 
um, regardless of what we can claim as truth. It's showing up with a beginner's mind to say, I will embrace what comes and I will try again. It's, mm. it's growth mindset, essentially. And I've learned so much about beginner's mind from um, my strengths coach, Kristen, um, who runs the organization Wild. And I think giving our listeners an opportunity to practice this along with the paradox mm-hmm. is We'd love to hear about it, I think. I think it would be something that you and I would love and be fascinated by, both from the Jen and Millie perspective, generationally Mm strength-based, but also sociologists. Oh, for sure. (laughs) Sounds like a good social experiment to me. (laughs) I love that. So describe what you mean by putting those principles into practice. What does that, boots on the ground, if I wake up tomorrow and I want to acknowledge paradoxes, sit in paradoxes, and approach those things and the reality of what's happening with a beginner's mind? Like, what does that look like? And how does one practice and cultivate those ideas? So I'll, I'll frame it um, with yoga practice. Um, it's never about how deep you can get into the pose, or it's never about how solid you are in the pose, but it's your willingness to attempt. Um, also every time that I practice yoga, when you are in Shavasana at the end, you're in a place of rest. Mm -hmm. When you come out of Shavasana, you turn to your right and you pause for a moment and you thank yourself for showing up for your practice. Mm -hmm. That to me is what beginner's mind is. And I probably, I, I love yoga probably mostly for the Shavasana, (laughs) (laughs) but I do love that Mm -hmm. pause that I thank myself for showing up. Yeah. That to me is beginner's mind that I am in gratitude for showing up and not having the answers and not getting the pose exactly right. Mm-hmm. Last Jen and Millie, I talked about how I got into one and couldn't get out. Um, mm-hmm. That's certainly beginner's mind, but just coming into this space, yeah. we have to relearn everything right now. We are essentially like learning how to walk again in such a a meaningful way. So I was on a call yesterday with another, um, a group of other mentoring organizations, and I was hearing the same struggles echoed. But one of the things that I heard repeatedly is we're all, we're learning every day. Mm -hmm. This is all new, particularly for adults. We are learning right along with our kiddos if we're helping to, now teach. Um, I've seen some great memes about um, how much grace and appreciation people yeah. have for math teachers. Um, <laughs> all teachers, I feel like, yeah. <laughs> yes, I mean, all teachers. Yeah. And just imagining mm-hmm. how you're coming into as an educator, a new land. You're coming in as a parent with new land. Mm-hmm. You're coming in as um, a researcher into mm-hmm. a completely new land. You're oh, coming yeah. in as a daughter test Mm -hmm. in a new land when you're having dialogues with your parents Mm -hmm. and knowing that those dialogues are happening distance only. I mean, I know that you look forward to your time being present Mm -hmm. and your, your kind of your go-betweens are your, your Sunday check-ins. That's your your go-between points. Mm -hmm. And I think we're all relearning our go-between point now is our kind of our normal. Yeah. So we're showing up with beginner's mind to accept that and to adjust to that and to make some small modifications mm-hmm. that can help us to be healthy. Um, another great blog that I subscribe to, um, Rebecca Ray, I, I love her questions. Of course, I love questions, a little bit of input there. But she was talking about how, what if uncertainty was renamed possibility? Hmm. And. Good. I need that almost, I wouldn't even say daily, hourly, Mm -hmm. because I tend to grip my teeth, grab really hard and say, nope, that this is how we've done it. We're going to, this is, this works. And I've had to loosen my grip and say, okay, this isn't going to be yeah. The same. It's, it's just not going to be the same. So she asked some questions, you know, how can you 
um, she refers to them as entry points into changing your experiences. So um, if you were to surrender to not knowing, how might your experience change? If you were to show up for yourself in your community, what would it look like? If you turned your anxiety into action, how could it help right now? Mm-hmm. If you led with love and courage, what would you start doing or what would you stop doing? So to me, beginner's mind is showing up each day and each morning and each evening and even in the hour to say, I don't know, I will learn. Mm-hmm. And I think I mentioned this early um, in the green room <laughs> that I believe that you model this and you do this naturally with your adaptability learner blend. Mm-hmm. Beginner's mind is just is your mind. So if I would say to you, uh, Tess, I don't know about this new um, online mentoring portal, Um, you will go and take and learn and adapt and learn. Whereas I might want to ask a bunch of questions about it. Hmm. So I think even our beginner's minds can look very different in the way that we boots on the ground show up. But I think our strengths have a lot to do with that Mm -hmm. too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's a a good concept to think about. And I I think you're right. It's a lot about how, a lot of how I approach life, right? There, But it also is paradoxical to me because my context and my learner, my learner in some sense loves to approach things with a beginner's mind, but also gets frustrated by a lack of mastery and depth to my knowledge. And so I feel like I even have, you know, and, and we've talked about this, I feel like when we've talked about domains and manifestations of our strengths that um, context is backward facing, my number one, my number two adaptability is present focused, and my number three strategic is future focused. So I pass present future as one, two, and three, which makes my brain a little crazy sometimes myself because I don't know where to focus or what to do um, sometimes and because um, my mind is in all three time spheres at one point. Um, and so I think um, just even even the concept of approaching things with newness is, yes, maybe easier for me in some respects, but also more difficult in other respects. Um, I think uh, one of, you know, even just my faith perspective, I think allows me to be okay with the uncertainty um, and also to trust that my fatal, favorite Beatles lyric, as you know, is there will be an answer and let it be. Um, And it's just a simple statement. And I think that's what allows me from, you know, my strengths, my faith perspective, um, the lens with which I view the world, be okay with uncertainty. Because I know that with new experiences, um, with more context, uh, with as time passes, as relationships evolve, that I will gain certainty and understanding. And it's okay that I don't have all of it now, right? But it's a process. And even though this process right now in this time space looks a lot different, we're still progressing, right? Time keeps going on. We wake up to new days, new opportunities, new possibilities. I love how you talk about these new beginnings in terms of days and the cycle of that from a Buddhist perspective. Um, piece of scripture, it says mercies are new every single day, right? Like there's that promise even within from a Christian perspective of beginner's mm-hmm. mindset to say every single day is a new opportunity. Um, I actually talked, um, I did a um, communion message um, for my church last year and I happened to be slated for New Year's Day to talk about communion and share with the church and and I talked about how um, New Year's Day people you know make all these resolutions and all these goals and I know you love New Year's Day it's probably my least favorite holiday (laughs) I know it's your favorite but um but because I get frustrated when people feel like they have to wait for this moment to change their life or change their perspective or get out of the funk that they're in, right? Because every single day is a new opportunity to do that, right? Like people say, well, I'm gonna, I'm doing, you know, Whole30 or I'm going to start a diet or I'm going to start running and I blow one day. So then they're like, oh, I have to wait for an, the new month, right? Or I have to wait for the new year or whatever it is. And I, you know, it, that frustrates me um, beyond most things because, you know, and that's probably my adaptability learner in action that says, if you want to change, if you want to learn something new, if you want to shift your focus in your life, you get the opportunity to do that 
that right now. Um, and it's a message that I need too, right? Like we're here um, in a space of quarantine. I don't live with anyone. I don't interact with a whole lot of people. So there are days where I just sit and watch Netflix in the evening and I don't get books read and I eat a whole pint of ice cream. <laughs> That's the reality, right? Um, but, but part of new beginnings and part of this paradox in your encouragement made you know really made me think about the concept which we've talked about when when you say you know as you enter into shavasana thanking yourself for the practice it reminds me of i think we've talked about it here in generally of just extending grace to yourself right that we are yes. oftentimes our own worst critics and we beat ourselves up and get frustrated and so your input has downloaded a lot of info for our listeners and so i'm going to download a bit more input is number um, 10 for me. So it definitely comes up here, but my friend Cami shared this on Instagram this morning, I think. Um, but it is actually from Dr. Caroline Leaf, who is, um, wonderful and profound and so, um, insightful when it comes to kind of psychotherapy and, and counseling practices. And she, she wrote this, she said, it, um, it's okay. If all you did today was get up and watch Netflix, it's okay. If you did not work out, it's okay if you didn't declutter a room. It's okay if you don't feel like talking about the crisis. It's okay if you didn't learn a new skill. It's okay if you were lazy. It's not okay if you let a checklist, social media, or experts make you feel guilty for just trying to cope in a crisis. Don't let other people's definition of productivity keep you from enjoying your life. And I think that's the thing even I would encourage people. We have uh, sent out and, and challenged people to take advantage of this situation, right? To put in practices, try new things. And I would still think that that's a place of encouragement, right? But mm -hmm. if one day, if one moment, if even a week of this, you don't have the energy, um, you don't have the mindset, you're not in a, a great place to be coping with this in a way of, starting to run or doing a new activity or putting a new practice into place, that's okay. And I hope that this, you know, this point I was really thinking even as we were talking um, about how we're talking about kind of the joy in this situation, the excitement of it, um, the, the newness and the opportunity that something like this brings. But I think the flip side of that is acknowledging the reality that this is really yes. hard. And I don't even think that we have paused to say that, that this is hard and it's okay if you feel stressed and panicked and worried. It's okay if the first thing when you think about, when you wake up in, you know, for the day are the people that are vulnerable and susceptible in your life. And, and I've definitely had moments like that. There's for me, there's been a lot more joy than struggle in this, and we've talked about it, but I think I was really reminded of this as I was talking with um, my friend Alex, who works in healthcare, and she said she leads with high empathy, high developer. She has all of these relationship strengths, and she's been really, really struggling because the people around her have high executing and influencing. And so they're like, yep, we're going to roll with it. We're going to do this. We're going to put this practice into place. And they're just like, she, you know, she said to me multiple times, I don't feel like anybody is grasping the weight of this like I am and people aren't struggling as much as she is that was her conception of it and then yesterday the um, CEO of the organization was a part of the meeting and the CEO said she was freaking out about this like was really vulnerable and saying that she was struggling and um, Alex came back to me and she said I was so grateful because it didn't seem like anybody else on the leadership team was struggling with this and I felt like I was the only one. And so as much as I think, and I want to encourage people to try new things and have new beginnings, the, the flip side of the paradox, right, of finding the joy in the struggle is also acknowledging the struggle in the struggle, right? Yes. And I think yes. that, that there is space and time for that. And I hope that genuinely for listeners, and I always know that for us, it is like a moment of light, a moment of reflection, um, a moment of just dwelling in these practices that we preach about. Um, but also part of the practices that we talk about is vulnerability, uh, is um, acknowledging 
the pain that is happening. And so I think I would encourage people to to voice that however they want to voice it, right? If you don't feel like you want to share that with someone, journal about it. Um, uh, get the pain and the suffering that you're feeling, the frustration, the worry, the anxiety, get it out in some way and acknowledge its reality. Because even if you start practicing new beginnings and you want to find the joy in the suffering, I don't think we were able to fully authentically enter into a practice like that if we don't acknowledge our current state our current mindset, the current position of our heart um, when it comes to what's happening. I agree. And I think that it, these, all of these, all of these thoughts that both of us have been thinking really speak to beginner's mind and beginner's mind right now has almost become survival Yeah, because things are changing mm. so quickly. Mm. I think for me, even you know, my responsibility at work is to often communicate information out to our mentors. And I have mm-hmm. some fear in starting something that I can't, that I can't do well, or starting something that mm-hmm. won't be the right message, or it'll be too much, or it's, you know, not, if this doesn't work, if that doesn't work. So I feel tremendous responsibility for the words that we extend. Yeah, And I think that's mm-hmm. my, my communication. But also I think that because information is changing so rapidly, we've never really been in a place like this culturally where literally from one day to the next, things are are very, very different. Yeah. Um, I was lucky enough to be able to go out and do some kayaking and, and get my camper out. Yesterday, they closed the campgrounds. Literally, I got to oh spend Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Yes, and the campgrounds are now closed until um, mid-May is what you know, right now what they're saying. Mm. So if I had not gone and done that now, granted, it's a little, it's a lot of bit of work. It's not a little bit of work. It's a lot of bit of work. You got to get everything set up. And, um, there was a part of me that was like, Ugh, you know, I have to do this. I have to do this. I have to do this. I have to come mm. back and forth. Cause I'm working. I really would like to, if I go camping just to take time off, but I did know that I needed a shift in container yeah. because the, the walls here close in for me mm-hmm. at times. And so I'm so grateful that I got out there because now the campgrounds in Nebraska anyway are closed. Um, but I was thinking about beginner's mind and the beauty of the joy in the struggle is really now survival mm-hmm. because we're all in this new space. And I think it's important that we grant ourselves grace yeah. to not do everything perfectly. And I agree. I have not accomplished 90% of the things mm-hmm. that I put on. As soon as it started happening, I'm like, well, I'm going to get this organized, going to get this done. Mm-hmm. No, I really haven't. And some days I just, I'm sitting, I'm finding myself sitting and needing to think because I'm processing so much information via email and yeah. meetings, you know, virtually that I don't have the pause where I used to have drive time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And my drive time is think time. And so I can't, can't believe how much that helped me process information. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention when you were talking about um, really thinking about how each of us is processing differently, it reminded me of um, Sue shared a post, um, Sue Kennedy, mm-hmm. who we work with, she's the regional coordinator for the Northern region. Um, she shared a post um, on Facebook Let's try to remember that we all process things differently. Some people are falling apart right now, and that is okay. Some people will hold it all together until this is all over and then crumble. That's okay, too. Some people won't know exactly how this has affected them for a long time. Mm -hmm. It's all okay. Everyone is different, and we're all just doing the best we can. It reminds me a lot of Renee Brown when she talks about assuming that people are showing up in the best way that they can, assuming Mm -hmm. positive intent. And... I don't know if you caught the 60 minutes interview that Renee did. It was really good. Um, thanks to my, um, my friend Valerie for sending that on to me cause I missed it cause I was mm-hmm. camping. It was really good. And one of the pieces in the interview and I mean, most of you know that I am a big fan of Renee, but one of the pieces in the interview, um, and it was very 60 minutes ish. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like a Ted talk and it wasn't like her, um, podcast. It was, a 60 minutes interview. It was very much around how she got into this work, dragging her feet because Mm -hmm. she herself did not want to be vulnerable. And, um, the guy who was interviewing her, gosh, I can't think of his name. He said, 
so you're you're basically still learning this and practicing this and she said yes Mm -hmm. I am the worst student of vulnerability (laughs) I hate it I don't want to show up I want to show up I'm a researcher with Mm -hmm. facts and be able to say this and this Mm -hmm. and this and it not be about feeling and she said it turns out that Mm -hmm. courage and being brave is all around feeling and the feeling of vulnerability Mm -hmm. so we all are showing up differently to this Mm -hmm. I think for me some days I think I'm showing up differently each day and even sometimes in each hour I woke up this morning just irritated it's just an irritated feeling Mm -hmm. like this is ugh. and I find myself really feeling irritated when I hear the phrase when this is all over yeah because I can't even say that anymore can't even say it I just I've stopped saying it um but I got myself up and out in nature and Mm -hmm. nature heals me and exercise really makes me feel good it's an endorphin boost um but boy I drug I mean I was I do kind of this mental well yesterday I did this so I did I don't really need to do this today (laughs) or my niece said I don't need to do this today and I thought it could be rainy it's not right now get out there Hmm. and that time may get me through until noon this time may get mm-hmm. me through until two o'clock, but it's okay to have a couple hours or a day or an afternoon where yeah. I'm just, just struggling. Yeah. Irritation and anger um, mm-hmm. are feelings that we don't often want to um, put our yeah. put our finger on and say, oh, that's what that is. Mm-hmm. And particularly <laughs> if you have high positivity like I do, mm-hmm. or if you believe that and hope are the path agency it's the way that we get to successful future yeah. hmm. it's hard to say boy I'm just I'm just mad yeah and hmm. that's so funny we probably hmm. don't give people enough opportunity when we talk about the beauty of the and that you can be both happy and pissed off right now yeah you can be both gosh I don't think I've ever said pissed off on Jenny Millie before yeah. Sorry. Can you I don't, that out? No, not at all. I'm not going to. It's about practicing vulnerability, Allie. Um, but I think that's very interesting. And bec- for me, because I think anger is the emotion that I will most readily acknowledge. And so I'm wondering where the difference is. It's something like sorrow, um, loneliness, uh, longing. Things like that that I feel like I'm more reticent to put my finger on and say I'm feeling that. Because those feel much more vulnerable to me. I think from my, and we've talked a little bit about this, from my Enneagram perspective, from my strengths, anger is tied not for me necessarily to a person or a situation, but to systemic, um, to to systems, um, to injustice, to... um, things that are beyond myself so if I feel angry I usually can rationally justify it which is not a good not a good thing um but but when we think about and this is gosh very seldom am I integrating what I'm learning about in in my grad classes with what we talk about but um in one of my grad classes we're talking about cognitive functioning and it's what sort of cognitive frameworks can we use as evidence for our values and our beliefs? And we've been reading the last few weeks about philosophers and theologians who say emotions have cognitive capacity to indicate our values and our beliefs, right? Which, yes, you shake your head and acknowledge that, but sometimes emotions are difficult to define. Um, They're abstract constructs. They can sometimes reveal, you know, they reveal things that are in our subconscious, but also far beyond that, sometimes they lie to us, right? Um, Like they come from actually a place of, of hurt, of uh, wounds in the past. 
that aren't actually indicative of the present situation that one is responding to and looking at. And so I I think it's interesting that maybe our default emotions are a bit different based on our personalities. So I might be very readily able to acknowledge anger, um, frustration, annoyance. Um, As you well know, Allie, (laughs) those are things that I (laughs) readily feel and acknowledge. Um, But it's more vulnerable to acknowledge something like sadness for me. So I think that, um, and this will be, this will be a great future Jen and Millie conversation. I think that it has a lot to do with our family of origin and how emotions were perceived and allowed and encouraged. Mm -hmm. I also think that generational perspective is huge with Mm -hmm. this sure, and strengths as well. Mm -hmm. So I think for me, the high empathy if I sense anger, okay, and I hate to use this word, Lauren and I always talk about, we don't like this word, but trigger. So I can be triggered by other people's emotions. Absolutely. And anger sympathy. is a huge mm-hmm. trigger for me. And I also know that, and we talked a little bit about this, shadow and light. Mm-hmm. You cannot know yourself, your vulnerable self, your authentic self, your best self, if you don't know your shadow side mm-hmm. and acknowledging that for me has been a really, really lifelong difficult process sure. because my shadow side is, is anger mm. and it's, it comes from a place of not being able to express it probably. Mm. Um, but I also know that when I do acknowledge that part of me, the rest of me, the best of me mm-hmm. says, oh, I see you there. Anger. Yeah. Hello. Welcome. You're usually around mm-hmm. about this time because someone else's trigger mm-hmm. led to this. But even acknowledging it, it lets it it sit there yeah. and not really, I don't know what the word is, not manifest. Yeah. But when I've been in situations where I'm not able to express myself, or if things are happening and my voice doesn't matter, mm-hmm. that is an immediate, I mean, my anger either goes from lots of words that can be very not nice to zero words, mm-hmm. total silence. Yeah. Um, I remember Lauren and Sean's dad, he would say, I don't know which is worse. I don't know which <laughs> is worse if you are totally quiet. It usually is if I'm totally quiet. Mm-hmm. Somebody better be asking what's going on. Yeah, I think it's like... The the way that I'm like visualizing this is it unacknowledged emotions, poor negative emotions, um, unacknowledged anxiety or worry, even, you know, especially about this situation, it like leaks. It leaks out onto everything else, right? And so that's the beauty of this kind of practice. And I think the beauty of um, the paradox is sitting in both and acknowledging both the really hard, difficult, negative emotions that we're feeling or negative, not even necessarily emotions, but negative construals that we're sitting in uh, at the moment, but also acknowledging the really great things, you know, and and you and I have a tendency, you have high positivity and high belief, and I just want to believe the best sometimes. Um, I think we always, and and this space and container is about really encouraging people um, in their Mm -hmm. own, you know, in their own space. So we tend to focus on the good. A strengths-based mindset is focusing on what is good and right, Um, but we can't do that in an authentic way if we don't acknowledge what isn't going well. So I, that'd be an encouragement that I would give to listeners and one that I'm going to go probably turn around and do myself right away because I know it needs to happen, right? That we're practicers um, of this and I feel like we're preaching to ourselves as much as other people when we talk. Um, but I'm Always. trying to live by our own beginner's rules. Mind. Yeah, that's, beginner's that's mind. Beginner's mind. There you go. Mind. There you go. But yeah, but, um, uh, you know, so I would encourage maybe even, you know, the way that I'm, my brain is wrapping my head around it is almost like a teep chart of <laughs> what are the really hard things that I'm feeling right now and what are the really great 
things that I'm feeling right now, the moments of joy. Um, And I think my practice has been acknowledging the moments of joy, but now I'm noticing the hard moments are leaking out in places and spaces that I don't want them to leak onto. And so my practice of self-growth and what I'd encourage people to do is to um, bring to the forefront via journaling, conversation, a phone call, whatever medium, a blog, if you do a blog, like whatever medium you need. um, (laughs) Allie, I'll be looking for that blog post. Um, whatever medium you need uh, in order to acknowledge the dual reality um, of our emotional and our mental, our soul's state at this moment, right? The the shadow side and the light side of how we're processing what's going on. And it really um, points back to we can't we can't name it if we don't acknowledge it. Yeah. And the key to taming is naming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we have to be able to 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 speak it. Yeah. It's, it's almost, um, the only way that you can give light to, to Mm, dark is to name it. And it is so hard to do that. Mm -hmm. And I think not only is it hard to do that because we are strength-based perspective, high positivity. Um, we know the research behind focusing on the good and and being hopeful and nexting, but we also have to acknowledge that that is not, that is not, all the time it is i mean if if people perceive me i had this conversation recently if people perceive me that i was a strength-based parent who just walked around and did nothing but named (laughs) oh sean i see your competition in action that is lovely let's talk about that Mm -hmm. that is not how it went um and Mm -hmm. i i want people to be granted the grace yeah it's you know, our coworker Annette does this so well. Mm-hmm. The grace of you can try and try again. Yeah. So you don't have to be perfect. None of us do. And frankly, in this time, it's a very unstable um, moment for all of us. Mm-hmm. No one is going to be perfect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if we can show up authentically, I think it gives us more grace to um, mm-hmm. to grant others to give others the opportunity to show up with their best or not best self. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think you and I, our conversations, you're right, Tess. 90% of the reason that I love doing this is because it reminds me I have a lot of work to do. I have a lot of work to do, yep. (laughs) We we are not preaching. We're we're learning. Yeah, Um, absolutely. I always say I'm Mm -hmm. a a really slow learner, therefore I teach. Mm -hmm. Hmm. That's good. Yep, I read something this morning that it, really simple statement, but that slow progress is still progress, right? That and and this time your progress may be slower. Um, your goals may have to be shifted, whatever you feel like you need to to do or to learn or to grow in. Um, but it's still progress, right? Even if it's a little slower at this point. It's a beginner's mind. It's a beginner's mind. Awesome. Oh, I love that. I hope that's encouraging. And I can't wait to hear people's um, uh, people's reflection on that. I'm definitely going to be doing a lot of my own in terms of understanding and acknowledging all that I'm feeling, um, not just um, the good things sometimes. So um, we'll look forward to hearing um, from people as they reflect on this. Um, we, we'd love to hear from you regardless. I will note because this might be maybe a bit more vulnerable for people, um, a bit more real, that if you don't want us to shout you out, we really try and acknowledge people who respond. We'd still love to hear from you regardless of if um, if you're comfortable with us acknowledging it publicly on the podcast. So if you reflect and you want to share, we, we would love to hear your reflections, but you don't want us to say, oh, you know, Ellie sent in this long thing about how angry she is, you know, Um, just like we won't obviously do that. We'll be very sensitive and thankful for the people that reply. But if there's a specific maybe thing that you would want to make sure we do not disclose um, kind of through our conversations, just make a note and let us know. Um, It's it's far beyond our. Um, our interactions and our connection to you all as, as listeners goes beyond acknowledging you or the conversations in this public space. We even just enjoy reading your reflections um, via email um, and don't need to bring it to this place um, if you don't feel comfortable with that. So I just kind of wanted to put that out there for some group norms. Um, so, but we, I, good, Tess. Group so, norms are good. 
Group norm. I'm all about group norms, societal norms right now. Yesterday, I will make a quick note before I do my conclusion. Yesterday was census day, and I love the census. I saw your post. I use I use census the census data a lot in my research. I grounded my undergraduate research in it. Um, I'll probably use it and incorporate it into my master's thesis that I'll be starting in the fall. Woohoo! Um, and then um, wherever life takes me post that, I will always be looking up census data. Um, but uh, so yes, I posted, you know, you can strength spot me as much as you want to about some reflections on why the census is important to a person individually, their community, as well as society at large. So it was fun to reflect on that. I don't think a lot of people think about how the census impacts their daily life, but I contemplate that quite often. I I feel like (laughs) I've known you your entire life sometimes because I see, I mean, I can just picture you speaking about this from a very very young age I can just see you saying it's so important that you answer the poll yeah. it's so important that you answer the survey um and the funny thing is is that I have a survey research um you know fo- focus that was my mm-hmm. focus in my um sociology major but this just dawned on me and you probably not ever heard of this concept before but I used to sell poppies so my, my dad was a, a Vietnam vet, oh, and sure. um, so mm-hmm. I was part of the Legion Auxiliary as a kid, and so I would go door-to-door and sell poppies. It was my favorite thing. I mean, I could not wait <laughs> until they gave me my big bunch of poppies and said, go sell these. And I would go door-to-door and knock on the doors and, and sell poppies. I could care less if they bought the poppy or not, but yeah. I just wanted to do a little check-in. And I remember when I learned later on about the census, I was like, I've been doing that for years, selling poppies. Because I would go to the door and just kind of ask. Yeah. I mean, I could just see six-year-old Allison question. What are you doing? How many kids do you have? What's happening here? Do you guys like where you live? What's your neighborhood like? I mean, I was essentially a census yep, spokesperson selling poppies it. many years ago. Oh I gosh, just I thought of it. that. Hmm. It was a joyful so memory. Hmm. I love it. Oh, man. Well, yes, quick sidebar, man alive. Um, <laughs> totally divergent from our conversation, but that's how we roll. Um, but anyway, we can't wait to hear your guys' reflection on looking kind of at the light and shadow side, the paradox of your feelings um, and what you're processing through during this time, as well as a challenge for um, how can you have a mindset of new beginnings, um, of a beginner's mindset to say, where are the places and the opportunities that I have to learn and grow? and how can I extend grace to myself in this moment if I don't feel like I'm having as much progress as I maybe built up in my head that I would have during this moment. Um, So that's kind of our challenge to you all. So thanks everybody for tuning in to episode 65 of Jen and Millie. We can't even associate these with our age anymore. Remember when we were like, oh, this episode is as, as, (laughs) you know, as old as I am. I remember you saying that. I was looking back, we've been doing a the podcast version for a long time, um, which is kind of crazy to think about. So it is crazy. We went um, crazy awesome. Crazy awesome. The first when we migrated to podcast was because Hannah was having her first baby, and now she's having her second. Can you believe it? It's crazy. Anyway. If you enjoyed today's conversation, whew, lots of divergence as well. But if you enjoyed it, <laughs> consider sharing this episode with a friend. To interact with us and share your responses to the questions and action items that we posed in this episode, one of the best ways to do that is follow us on Instagram. That's at Jen and Millie, at G-E-N-N-A-N-D-M-I-L-L-I-E. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are exclusively that of Allison Horn and Tess Darman and may not reflect the views of Teammates Mentoring Program at large. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time.